Alawa Pa friends, it's the seventh day of might, the year 175 in the Baha'i calendar, or September 14th, 2018. Um, before I step off into the readings this morning, I would like to um, just thank you all for joining me uh, whenever I make a podcast. It's, it's very um, encouraging. I also wanted to let you know uh, where I get most of my sources, I do have a a pretty nice Baha'i library of my own, but um, I go to reference.baha'i.org, which is a, a really amazing tool if you ever want to uh, read from something that that you don't happen to possess. You can put anything in a search. It's available in English, Persian, and Arabic, and it's it's just a really wonderful resource. Um, so today I'm going to read from you, read to you a couple of things, uh, fairly long readings today because I missed a day on a Wednesday. I apologize for that. So I wanted to get right to this. Um, before I start any new listeners, I would like to encourage you to, um, listen to the previous episodes, starting with day one and working your way forward. You're also welcome to jump right in the middle if something strikes your eye. All right, this first reading is Proclamation of Baha'u'llah. It's on pages 118 to 119. The world's world's equilibrium has been upset through the vibrating influence of this most great, this new world order. Mankind's ordered life have been revolutionized through the agency of this unique, this wondrous system, the like of which mortal eyes have never witnessed. Immerse yourself in the ocean of my words, that ye may unravel its secrets and discover all the pearls of wisdom that lie hid in its depths. Take heed that ye do not vacillate in your determination to embrace the truth of this cause, a cause through which the potentialities of the might of God have been revealed and his sovereignty established. With faces beaming with joy, hasten ye unto him. This is the changeless faith of God, eternal in the past, eternal in the future. Let him that seeketh attain it. And as to him that have refused to seek it, verily God is self-sufficient above any need of his creatures. Say this is the infallible balance which the hand of God is holding in which all who are in the heavens and all who are on earth are weighed, and their fate determined. If ye be of them that believe and recognize this truth, say through it the poor have been enriched, the learned enlightened, and the seekers enabled to ascend into the presence of God. Beware lest ye make it a cause of dissension amongst you. Be ye as firmly settled as the immovable mountain in the cause of your Lord, the mighty, the loving. Okay, I have selected a writing by Abdu'l-Bahá from Foundations of World Unity. I'm starting on page 94 and going through page 99. Let me ask, what is the purpose of prophethood? Why has God sent the prophets? It is self-evident that the prophets are the educators of men and the teachers of the human race. 
they come to bestow universal education upon humanity, to give humanity training, to uplift the human race from the abyss of despair and desolation, and enable him to attain the apogee of advancement and glory. The people are in darkness. The prophets bring them into the realm of light. They are in a state of utter imperfection. The prophets imbue them with perfections. The purpose of the prophetic mission is no other than the education and guidance of the people. Therefore, we must regard and be on the lookout for the man who is thus qualified. That is to say, any soul who proves to be the educator of mankind and the teacher of the human race is undoubtedly the prophet of his age. For example, let us review the events connected with the history of His Holiness Moses, upon him be peace. His Holiness dwelt in Midian at a time when the children of Israel were in captivity and bondage in the land of Egypt, subjected to every tyranny and severe oppression. They were illiterate and ignorant, undergoing cruel ordeals and experiences. They were in such a state of helplessness and impotence that it was proverbial to state that one Egyptian could overcome ten Israelites. At such a time as this, and under such forbidding conditions, His Holiness Moses appeared and shone forth with a heavenly radiance. He saved Israel from the bondage of Pharaoh and released them from captivity. He led them out of the land of Egypt and into the Holy Land. They had been scattered and broken. He unified and disciplined them conferred upon them the blessing of wisdom and knowledge. They had been slaves, he made them princes. They were ignorant, he made them learned. They were imperfect, he enabled them to attain perfection. In a word, he led them out of their condition of hopelessness and brought them to efficiency in the plane of confidence and valor. They became renowned through the ancient world until finally, in the zenith and splendor of their civilization, the glory of the sovereignty of Solomon was attained. Through the guidance and training of His Holiness Moses, these slaves and captives became the dominating people amongst the nations. Not only in physical and military superiority were they renowned, but in all the degrees of arts, letters, and refinement, their fame was widespread. Even the celebrated philosophers of Greece journeyed to Jerusalem in order to study with the Israelitish sages, and many were the lessons of philosophy and wisdom they received. Among these philosophers was the famous Socrates. He visited the Holy Land and studied with the prophets of Israel, acquiring principles of their philo philosophical teaching and a knowledge of their advanced arts and sciences. After his return to Greece, he founded the system known as the Unity of God. The Greek people rose against him, and at last he was poisoned in the presence of the king. Hippocrates and many other Greek philosophers sat at the feet of the learned Israelitish doctors and absorbed their expositions of wisdom and inner truth. Inasmuch as His Holiness Moses, through the influence of his great mission, was instrumental in releasing the Israelites from a low state of debasement and humiliation, establishing them in a nation of prestige and glorification, disciplining and educating them, it is necessary for us to reach a fair and just judgment in regard to such a marvelous teacher. For in this great accomplishment he stood single and alone. Could he have made such a change and brought about such a condition among these people without the sanction and assistance of a heavenly power? 
Could he have transformed a people from humiliation to glory without a holy and divine support? No other than a divine power could have done this. Therein lies the proof of prophethood, because the mission of a prophet is education of the human race such as this personage accomplished, proving him to be a mighty prophet among the prophets, and his book the very book of God. This is a rational, direct, and perfect proof. In brief, His Holiness Moses, upon whom be peace, founded the law of God, purified the morals of the people of Israel, and gave them an impetus toward nobler and higher attainments. But after the departure of His Holiness Moses, following the decline of the glory of Solomon's era, and during the reign of Jeroboam, there came a great change in this nation. The high ethical standards and spiritual perfections ceased to exist. Conditions and morals became corrupt. Religion was debased, and the perfect principles of the Mosaic law were obscured in superstition and polytheism. War and strife arose among the tribes, and their unity was destroyed. The followers of Jeroboam declared themselves rightful and valid in kingly succession and the supporters of Rehoboam made the same claim. Finally, the tribes were torn asunder by hostility and hatred. The glory of Israel was eclipsed, and so complete was the degradation that a golden calf was set up as an object of worship in the city of Tyre. Thereupon God sent Elijah, the prophet, who redeemed the people, renewed the law of God, and established an era of new life for Israel. History shows a still late change and transformation when this oneness and solidarity were followed by another dispersion of the tribes. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, invaded the Holy Land and carried away captive 70,000 Israelites to Chaldea, where the greatest reverses, trials, and suffering afflicted these unfortunate people. Then the prophets of God again reformed the reestablished the law of God, and the people in their humiliation again followed it. This resulted in their liberation, and under the edict of Cyrus, king of Persia, there was a return to the holy city. Jerusalem and the temple of Solomon were built, and the glory of Israel was restored. This lasted but a short time. The morality of the people declined, and conditions reached an extreme degree until the Roman general Titus took Jerusalem and raised it to its foundations. Pillage and conquest completed the desolation. Palestine became a waste and wilderness, and the Jews fled from the Holy Land of their ancestors. The cause of this disintegration and dispersion was the departure of Israel from the foundation of the law of God revealed by Moses, namely the acquisition of divine virtues, morality, love, the development of arts and sciences, and the spirit of the oneness of humanity. I now wish you to examine certain facts and statements which are worthy of consideration. My purpose and intention is to remove from the hearts of men the religious enmity and hatred which have fettered them, and to bring all religions into agreement and unity. Inasmuch as this hatred and enmity, this bigotry and intolerance are outcomes of misunderstandings, the reality of religious unity will appear when these misunderstandings are dispelled. For the foundation of the divine religions is one foundation. This is the oneness of revelation or teaching. 
but alas, we have turned away from that foundation, holding tenaciously to various dogmatic forms and blind imitation of ancestral beliefs. This is the real cause of enmity, hatred, and bloodshed in the world, the reason of alienation and estrangement among mankind. Therefore, I wish you to be very just and fair in your judgment of the following statements. During the time that the people of Israel were being tossed and afflicted by the conditions I have named, His Holiness Jesus Christ appeared among them. Jesus of Nazareth was a Jew. He was single and unaided, alone and unique. He had no assistant. The Jews at once pronounced him to be an enemy of Moses. They declared that he was the destroyer of the Mosaic laws and ordinances. Let us examine the facts as they are. Investigate the truth and reality in order to arrive at a true opinion and conclusion. For a completely fair opinion upon this question, we must lay aside all we have and investigate independently. This personage, Jesus Christ, declared His Holiness Moses to have been the prophet of God, and pronounced all the prophets of Israel as sent from God. He proclaimed the Torah, the very book of God, summoned all to conform to its precepts and follow its teachings. It is a historical fact that during a period of 1,500 years the kings of Israel were unable to promulgate but broadcast the religion of Judaism. In fact, during that period, the name and history of Moses were confined to the boundaries of Palestine, and the Torah was a book well known only in that country. But through His Holiness Christ, through the blessings of the New Testament of Jesus Christ, the Old Testament, the Torah, was translated into 600 different tongues and spread throughout the world. It was through Christianity that the Torah reached Persia. Before that time there was no knowledge in the country of such a book, but His Holiness Christ caused its spread and acceptance. Through Him the name of Moses was elevated and revered. He was instrumental in publishing the name and greatness of the Israelitish prophets, and he proved to the world that the Israelites constituted the people of God. Which of the kings of Israel could have accomplished this? Were it not for Jesus Christ, would the Bible, the Torah, have reached this land of America? Would the name of Moses be spread throughout the world? Refer to history. Everyone knows that when Christianity was spread, there was a simultaneous spread of the knowledge of Judaism and the Torah. Throughout the length and breadth of Persia, there was not a single volume of the Old Testament until the religion of Jesus Christ caused it to appear everywhere, so that today the Holy Bible is a household book in that country. It is evident, then, that Christ was a friend of Moses, that he loved and believed in his holiness Moses. Otherwise, he would not have commemorated his name and prophethood. This is self-evident. Therefore, Christians and Jews should have the greatest love for each other, because the founders of these two great religions have been in perfect agreement in book and teaching. Their followers should be likewise. We have already stated the valid proofs of prophethood. We find the very evidences of the validity of His Holiness Moses were witnessed and duplicated in His Holiness Christ. His Holiness Christ was also a unique and single personage Born of the lineage, born of the lineage of Israel, by the people, by the power of his word, he was able to unite people of the Roman, Greek, Chaldean, Egyptian, and Assyrian nations. Whereas there had been cruel, bloodthirsty, and hostile killing, pillaging, and taking each other captive, he cemented them together in a perfect bond of unity and love. 
he caused them to agree and become reconciled. Such mighty effects were the results of the manifestation of one single soul. This proves conclusively that His Holiness Christ was assisted by God. Today all Christians admit and believe that His Holiness Moses was a prophet of God. They declare that his book was the book of God, that the prophets of Israel were true and valid, and that the people of Israel constituted the people of God. What harm has come from this? What harm could come from the statement by the Jews that Jesus was also a manifestation of the word of God? Have the Christians suffered for their belief in Moses? Have they experienced any loss of religious enthusiasm or witnessed any defeat in their religious belief by declaring that His Holiness Moses was a prophet of God, that the Torah was a book of God, and that all the prophets of Israel were prophets of God? It is evident that no loss comes from this. And now it is time for the Jews to declare that Christ was the word of God, and then this enmity between two great religions will pass away. For two thousand years this enmity and religious prejudice have continued. Blood has been shed, ordeals have been suffered. These few words will remedy the difficulty and unite two great religions. What harm would follow this? That just as the Christians glorify and praise the name of Moses, likewise the Jews should commemorate the name of Christ, declare him to be the word of God, and consider him as one of the chosen messengers of God. A few words concerning the Quran and the Mohammedans. When His Holiness Mohammed appeared, he spoke of Moses as the great man of God. In the Quran, he refers to the sayings of Moses in seven different places, proclaims him a prophet and the possessor of a book, the founder of the law and the spirit of God. He said, Whosoever believes in him is acceptable in the estimation of God, and whosoever shuns him or any of any of the prophets is rejected of God. Even in conclusion, he calls upon his own relatives, saying, Why have ye shunned and not believed in Moses? Why have ye not acknowledged the Torah? Why have ye not believed in the Jewish prophets? In a certain surat of the Quran, he mentioned the names of twenty-eight of the prophets of Israel, praising each and all of them. To this great extent, he has ratified and commended the prophet and religion of Israel. The purport is this, that Muhammad praised and glorified His Holiness Moses and confirmed Judaism. He declared that whosoever denies Moses is contaminated, and even if he repents, his repentance will not be accepted. He pronounced his own relatives infidels and impure because they had denied the prophets. He said, Because you have not believed in Christ, because you have not believed in Moses, because you have not believed in the Gospels, you are infidels and contaminated. In this way, Muhammad has praised the Torah, Moses, Christ, and the prophets of the past. He appeared amongst the Arabs, who were a people nomadic and illiterate, barbarous in nature and bloodthirsty. He guided and trained them until they attained a high degree of development. Through his education and discipline, they arose from the lowest levels of ignorance in the heights of knowledge, becoming masters of erudition and philosophy. We see, therefore, that the proofs applicable to one prophet are equally applicable to another. In conclusion, since the prophets themselves, the founders, have loved, praised, and testified of each other, why should we disagree and be alienated? God is one. He is the shepherd of all. We are his sheep and therefore should live together in love and unity. 
we should manifest the spirit of justice and goodwill toward each other. Shall we do this, or shall we censure and pronounce anathema, praising ourselves and condemning all others? When possible, good can come from such attitude and action. On the contrary, nothing but enmity and hatred, injustice and inhumanity can possibly result. Has not this been the greatest cause of bloodshed, woe, and tribulation in the past? Praise be to God, you are living in a land of freedom. You are blessed with men of learning, men who are well versed in the comparative study of religions. You realize the need of unity and know the great harm which comes from prejudice and superstition. I ask you, is not fellowship and brotherhood preferable to enmity and hatred in society and community? The answer is self-evident. Love and fellowship are absolutely needful to win the good pleasure of God, which is the goal of all human attainment. We must be united. We must love each other. We must ever praise each other. We must bestow commendation upon all people, thus removing the discord and hatred which have caused alienation amongst men. Otherwise the conditions of the past will continue, praising ourselves and condemning others. Religious wars will have no end and religious prejudice, the prime cause of this havoc and tribulation, will increase. This must be abandoned, and the way to do it is to investigate the reality which underlies all the religions. This underlying reality is the love of humanity, for God is one and humanity is one, and the only creed of the prophets is love and unity. I'm going to close today with a prayer. I'm going to read a prayer for firmness in the covenant. Make firm our steps, O Lord, in thy path, and strengthen thou our hearts in thine obedience. Turn our faces toward the beauty of thy oneness, and gladden our bosoms with the signs of thy divine unity. Adorn our bodies with the robe of thy bounty, and remove from our eyes the veils of sinfulness. Give us the chalice of thy grace, that the essence of all beings may sing thy praise before the vision of thy grandeur. Reveal then thyself, O Lord, by thy merciful utterance and the mystery of thy divine being, that the holy ecstasy of prayer may fill our souls, a prayer that shall rise above words and letters and transcend the murmur of syllables and sounds, that all things may be merged into nothingness before the revelation of thy splendor. Lord, these are servants that have remained firm and fast in thy covenant and thy testament that have held fast unto the cord of constancy in thy cause, and clung unto the hem of the robe of thy grandeur. Assist them, O Lord, with thy grace. Confirm them with thy power, and strengthen their loins in obedience to thee. Thou art the pardoner, the gracious, Abdu'l-Baha. Thank you very much for joining me today at Scattering Angels. I hope you will join us um, on Monday. Have a great weekend and um, thank you again.